Hey folks, thanks for tuning in to the Avasi Explore Show. On today's podcast, I'm speaking with Izzy Milburn, an incredibly talented ultra runner and passionate advocate for the critical role of women and girls in sport. Izzy shares her experience as a long-distance runner, her understanding of the connection between fitness, mental health, and nutrition, as well as her view on the representation of women in the sporting world. Izzy is a close friend of mine and was actually one of the first of our running cohort to inspire me to pursue ultra running in the first place. As always, I had a wonderful time speaking with Izzy for today's show, and I can't wait to share her knowledge, insight, and experience with all of you. Hey, Izzy, welcome to the Avasi Explore podcast. I'm so glad to have you here today. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. It's really nice to be here. Amazing. So today we'll be chatting about your passion for running, your incredible running adventures and races, as well as some thoughts you might have regarding nutrition, wellness, mental health, and women in sport. I'm already super excited to pick your brain on these topics. Let's get started with your running journey. Yep. Um, So I think I've kind of always been that person who's been a love of sports or and a love of running in in whatever description that is. But um, I suppose it it hasn't been until university when I really, truly fell in love with running. Um, But yeah, I mean, like a a 40 year old sport is not kind of something that you can blend in well with other millennials. But um, yeah, I just I spent my whole university on just yeah just running. Nice. And so, what do you think it was about uh, being in university that inspired you to get involved with running? I grew up in like rural Norfolk. Um, everything was was lovely. I had an, an incredible upbringing. But when I was exposed to to moving outside of that of that Norfolk bubble and into southeast London, it was just a massive shock. And I just felt a bit like an outcast. I felt very isolated. Everyone else was so different to what I was used to in Norfolk. And so I kind of used running as a means to like, yeah, just be in the comfort of, of what something that I was used to from back home, but also meeting other like-minded people through the crew community in London, which was really good. Awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely going to ask you a few questions about that later on as well. Um, But I'm I'm curious if this love of running that you developed while you were at university, whether it's transformed or evolved at all over time. Um, I think in my first week of uni, I was um, I actually went to my sister's first ever half marathon, and. All I was used to was um, I was at the hurdler when I was much younger, and um, so I would just rock up to the to the track with um with like a McFlurry and some <laughs> chips and smash out some hurdling competitions. But um, seeing my sister do that half marathon was just incredible. Um, it was I can remember it was in um, Richmond, and yeah, everyone was cheering her on. Like even though they didn't even know her, they were just um, cheering on her name and her bib. Um, just the atmosphere was just incredible. And so that's why I was like, okay, I'm going to drop the track and, and try some longer distance running. Mm-hmm. And I kind of did my first 10K and then half marathon. And then I ran London 2017, I believe it was. And um, then two weeks later, I ran my first ultra. <laughs> wow. And then it's just kind of escalated from there. <laughs> 
Wow, that's so I actually didn't know that because it's pretty that's pretty similar to my trajectory as well. I ran my first marathon and then two weeks later ran my first ultra. <laughs> so it's funny how you're kind of like, okay, well, I've got the distance now. Um, yeah. let's, just, let's just keep adding. Yeah. So have you found, is there a particular distance that you prefer? Um, does it oscillate? What does that look like for you? I used to really like the road races. And I think I loved the road just because it was like what everyone in the, in the running crews were doing. But um, when I started to branch out and try a few more ultras, I just, I just love the distance. So anything kind of like, you know, 50 miles, um, 100K kind of distance is, is yeah, is what I live for. <laughs> I think it's just because like running to me has been the only thing I've actually found, which is a, is a true challenge because you can just stop whenever you want. Like no one's telling you to keep going forward. Um, when your like body's knackered, your stomach's in bits, you just want to lie down on the floor and collapse. The willpower to keep pushing on when you're in that moment, I think you can't find a greater challenge than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And what do you, what do you think's behind that willpower? Like when you're at that point in a race when yeah everything's kind of shutting down and your body everything in your body is telling you no what do you think is the source of the strength to keep going for you I'm not too sure I think it varies from race to race and like the particular period of my life I'm in so um I know we'll probably go into some some talk about races later but Mm -hmm. For my um for my run across across the UK in particular, that uh, the big motivation behind that was um, running it for my cousin who passed away from a brain tumor. So um, for each of my race, I write his name on my on my forearm so that I can um yeah I can I can see it and that will remind me to keep pushing on. And um there's a I've got a friend um called Nick Errol who was actually the head of crew for that race mm-hmm. for that that run, and he said it's a privilege to choose how you suffer. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's really important to to always keep in mind is that I'm not like a, I don't have to keep doing this. I don't have to keep running, but this is a choice that I've that I've made and I want to do. So um yeah, just probably keeping that in mind. Absolutely, yeah, I love that that quote from Nick. We're actually I think going to I'm gonna invite him onto the podcast at some point as well. So that'll Brilliant. be a, that'll be a fun conversation too. <laughs> <clears throat> so. Yeah, so wow, 50 to 100K, uh, that's a lot of miles and a lot of training. Um, How do you think that you're able to keep that training sustainable and running those kind of races sustainable, especially because you're you're young, you have a lot of years of running ahead of you. How do you think that you're managing to keep it going and plan to keep it going for as long as possible? I used to think that just to be to be a good runner, you just had to run and run and run and run. But um, since being injured, I got I got injured pretty badly last year, and it's taken me about ten months to recover from it. Since this injury, I've kind of realised that that isn't sustainable, and to be a runner is actually not to to keep doing crazy mileage, but it's it's everything else in your life to to remain like a really strong balance as well. 
So I think it's so important to have proper rest and like not just, you know, your day off doing some yoga or going rock climbing. It's like <laughs> you need some serious downtime. It's good sleep, really good food um, and just having a really good support network. So always seeing your friends, like going out with your boyfriend or girlfriend or and just finding other hobbies as well. Like I've recently really gotten got into um like sourdough baking <laughs> and nice. I love painting and you know playing my harp and just is all the other things that I think keep running sustainable because at the end of the day we don't have to do this this isn't our job we're not getting paid to do this mm-hmm. and I want to always remind myself that this isn't something I have to do but something that I actually love and want to do and mm-hmm. I think that's quite important to yeah keep running sustainable. Absolutely. I think that's so valid when you're just needing to find a way to identify as more than a runner. I think similarly, when I dealt with a pretty gnarly injury a couple of years ago, you're, unfortunately, for me, it wasn't until I was forced to reconsider my relationship with running that I did reconsider it. Um, And I come back as a badass. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, And yeah, just for me, it's like I've always loved weightlifting and being really strong. And I realized when I was only identifying as a runner, I was, yeah, it was just miles, miles, miles. I was forgetting about a lot of the things that actually inspired me to get running it in the first place. So I suppose it's the silver lining to pretty shitty injuries. (laughs) Yeah, completely. I'm actually quite thankful that I got injured now because it's taught me, yeah, it's taught me so much about things that I didn't even think it would bring up, like um, relationship to food, like relationship to running and miles and a controlling personality. And yeah, just so much, which is really important to to always, yeah, check in with yourself and realize. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think also sort of in that vein, so many of us run to get away from something and to cover up or not even cover up, but to kind of, yeah, quite literally run away from anxiety or sad feelings or difficult feelings that we don't want to sit with. And then when we can't run anymore, you're forced to sit with them, which is really painful, but then you can work through them a little bit better. Yeah, definitely. No, hundred percent. And so how is uh, are you running again now? Yeah, so I'm. I've started my return to running, which is um, yeah, which has been amazing. My my physio Manny has just been incredible in this um, in this stage. Um, I've tried everything. I went to the best ankle specialist on Harley Street. I mean, I I just tried everything to get it better, and it turns out that. I'm just my head is quite quite controlling and I can feel pain and then I keep thinking that I feel that pain mm-hmm. and that all I really needed to do is just actually make a stronger base and then with a stronger base I'm actually able to, to yeah to get over my injury and slowly introduce running again so um yeah I'm up to running 35 minutes which nice. which seems like nothing but to me right now is like an absolute marathon but um yeah I'm I'm loving this part of the building and and yeah each run is like a little a little like little award <laughs> which mm-hmm. is which is really nice and it's nice to get back to the to the roots of of running as well like that definitely definitely that's that's really exciting and in a way kind of 
rediscovering running in a kind of way, especially, again, like I mentioned before, as someone who's been running for a pretty long time now and running pretty competitively and seriously for a pretty long time. In a way, it's kind of like a gift to be able to be a, quote, new runner again. And, of course, you're going to build back really quickly, um, but the early runs are, are pretty special. Oh, no, definitely. No, come, yeah, 100%. It's just, it's just really nice to kind of, like, have that love for running again and, like, rediscover it all over. And, yeah, and I'm just getting so excited for my <laughs> – every time I can go outside and give it a little go, considering just being injured for so long. So, yeah, it's been really nice. Amazing. Um, so we're going to shift a little bit to some of the races that you've done because um, – they're amazing. They're, they're <laughs> really exciting and fun to talk about. Um, I'm really fortunate that, um, that we're friends and I've gotten to witness some of them and certainly hear about most of them, but I'm excited for you to share them to the wider audience. Um, so to start off, what would you say are your favorite three races that you've done and why are they your favorite? Um, so after university, I went on a four-month backpacking trip um, on my own. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, to basically, I had all I had was a 18-kilo bag, my running shoes, and I'd penciled down in my little diary um, three races that were across Asia. So I had no plans, no like agenda. It was just trying to get to that part of Asia to to run that race. And um, two of those races, I think, are definitely on my top three list. And that was um, uh, my second race, which was Mount Bromo Marathon, mm. which was just a ridiculous marathon. <laughs> just to get to the start line, I hopped on the back of some local, like little moped type thing. And we traveled two hours in the middle of the night to get to the top of this volcano <laughs> where the race started. And um, yeah, it was it was just unreal. It was in East Java. So the landscape was just beautiful. I mean, some parts of it were like running on the moon, others you were running through rice paddies. And um, halfway through the race, everyone kept like shouting at me like, woman one, woman one. And I was just trying to understand what they were saying. And then I realized, and I was just taking the views, just enjoying the, uh, enjoying the scenery and all the cheering from all the, all the local people that were really baffled by these people that were running. And um, then I realized that I was the, the first woman, which wow. was such a great feeling. So I kind of took it up a notch and always was kind of looking over my shoulder. And um, yeah, just the finish line was on. Yeah, it was unreal. Just running through and all of these local um, Indonesian like people just screaming my name because they saw it on the bib and um yeah standing on a podium and I got randomly got given a pair of jeans that were probably like (laughs) too big for me um a lovely little trophy and 300 pounds which was great for packing pocket excellent um so yeah that was that was an amazing just experience in general um my second favorite was probably um well, this is not in order, <laughs> but um, was Annapurna. And um, I was lucky enough to, as part of that trip to, to go to Nepal, where I ran the Annapurna 100K. Mm. And this was just, a, yeah, again, such a beautiful landscape. But more just, it was more of like a survival mode. It wasn't really like running a race. Mm-hmm. 
um, I had a pretty awful experience in terms of just all the aid stations started to get shut down by a huge storm. Mm. So um, where I thought I'd be able to get food and water, there was just nothing there. It was like a, a mudslide. So for quite a lot of the race, I had no water and no food. Um, there was one part of the race where my I can see the the blink, the last blink of my head torch going out, and this was at about one in the morning, heart like halfway up a mountain somewhere in the Himalayas, and um, yeah, then it went pitch pitch black, and I hadn't eaten or drank anything for probably like five hours or something. Um, I can remember feeling all my ankles, and I had leeches all over them. I had blood in my hair and my neck from a wow. bite. Um, I was on a really small trail, like up this um, up this mountain. There's a huge cliff drop, and every so often you'd hear these wild buffalo like galloping towards you. So I'd have to jump into a tree, and I also like started drowning in a waterfall. <laughs> it was all just wow. a bit. That's chaotic a lot. yeah um, somehow managed to finish the race um in third place which was really cool i mean that's <laughs> incredible um so i'm just gonna stop you for a second because i'm so curious about this survival mode like how did you how did you push through when i mean i guess it's a little bit like the question i asked before but in this sp- particular instance when you had no food, no water, you know, you were clearly, your body was in rough shape. What were you telling yourself at that, at those points in time? I think just to start off with, I can remember um, leaving the halfway point, which was, I can't remember what checkpoint it was, but I can remember leaving there and it was starting to get dark and I was like, oh, it's fine, it's fine. And then I heard all these weird voice like noises and things started to like escalate. I was like, could feel my feet getting really wet and then the waterfall situation. And but I, I don't think I allowed my brain to realize what was going on. So it was more just like dealing with whatever came and whatever happened. So, um, but there was one point and I can remember just feeling frozen and just wet to my core. And I was sat on the floor and I could just, I put my hands to my lips and they were just so icy. My face was just like rock hard from all the cold and the water. Um, I actually sent a voice message to my mum, sister and my boyfriend, basically just saying that I was going to die and that that was it. And there was no way out. I mean, I hadn't seen another person for the last three hours or so. So it was just one of those surreal moments when you're just like, okay, well, that's it. I'm just had a good life. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and um, luckily, the the next part of that story was a man managed to get as lost as I did. And we, we like, voyaged on together throughout the night. And I think seven hours later, we hit the finish line. But um, that whole seven hours with this guy, I just had to keep stopping and just hugging him. And I was just crying for, like, the majority of it because it was just such a... A crazy experience to be in and um yeah to then overcome it and finish it at the end was um was crazy I mean I was totally beaten up after that race I couldn't even lie on my back because I started to get liver and kidney failure I mean my the soles of my feet just were basically like non-existent so it was um yeah it was, it was such a raw experience and I think that is still one of my favorite races just because it taught me how to go into that red zone mm-hmm. Survival like every, mode. 
So everyone kind of knows their limits, but then when you've exceeded all limits possible, then yeah, you've always got that itch to be like, oh, well, I can go so much further than I than I knew I could. That's sort of the ultra marathon frame of mind right there. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. And who who is do you remember anything about the guy who who you found and kind of helped helped you get through those last seven hours? Yeah, I'm still actually in contact with him and we're we're thinking of, of doing a race together again at some point. Um he's Canadian and mm-hmm. he was living in Kathmandu and he um works for the Red Cross. Mm-hmm. which I think was amazing but we yeah I mean we barely spoke for that, that last seven hours I think I was just I was just so beaten up mentally and yeah and just physically but yeah epic race <laughs> epic race amazing so what's number three then and number three was it's not technically a race but um my FKT which stands for fastest known time awesome and um that was from Carlisle to Newcastle so the width of the of the UK which was just an epic 86 mile voyage from yeah one side of the UK to the other just spent with amazing amazing paces and support crew I think the biggest thing about that race is just the fact that, I mean, this was just a selfish, like, little quest that I decided to put myself on being like, you know, hey, why not just run across the UK? But, um, yeah. As you do. (laughs) As you do. Mm -hmm. But the people that kind of, like, were just, yeah, putting themselves forward to come run part of it with me or to to drive the whole distance and to you know help feed and water me and keep me motivated and and also just all the amazing messages I received as a result of that was just it made me realize that that race was so much more than than just me and just myself it was like the incredible efforts of all of the support crew the 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 people at Rundam who you know would sending messages to all the Instagram stories mm-hmm. that you guys were were putting up for me and yeah just that would that just kind of was the cherry on top of the cake in terms of how I could think of the, the perfect day out basically absolutely and you know I had the honor of helping to crew you through that through that quest as you put it I love that word um <laughs> And it was just such a beautiful day of not only watching and admiring your strength, courage, and running ability, but also the the love and the support of the people who were there for you and who ran with you and um, also just amongst the crew was a really wonderful environment. And I think that really speaks to what a good job you doing of you do of creating of creating a community of people so that was that was really wonderful yeah it was just a such an amazing experience and I mean there was so much planning going into it because yeah I was going to ask you about how do you prepare for it (laughs) (laughs) a lot of hours a lot lot of lunch breaks then looking at maps and um because there is one main route which I which I followed which is called Hadrian's Wall and um but trying to make sure that I had um, like, you know, some sensible checkpoints along the route where I can meet my lovely mum that drove literally the full length of the 86 miles um, to meet the support crew. And 
basically the plan of action was I'd come into an aid station or checkpoint as it was called and um, have my soft flasks taken out. I'd have um, new water and tailwind. Um, had some crisps, had some watermelon, a bit of Coke, you know, a hug from everyone. And then I'd kind of run off with like a new um, like group of paces to join me on the next the next section of the route. So, um, yeah, it was a lot of planning, a lot of like logistics to make sure that I had the right the right kit at the right point. And yeah, no one really anticipated that I'd get injured 35 miles <laughs> into an 86 mile run. But yeah. Um, yeah, we were just troubleshooting. Um, again, Nick, the head of crew, was just, yeah, he was just a rock in, in all of that. I mean, I think everyone was slightly scared of him by the end of the day. <laughs> but he just made sure that everyone was just on it and we had what we needed. But um, I think what made that experience even more special was because, um, yeah, like I said earlier, my cousin Stu, who... Um, passed away when he was just 25 um from a brain tumor he um his old farm was halfway through the route so it was just so incredible to see 50 miles into this like epic adventure like all my family members from from up north all came out um there's a brilliant video of one of my cousins driving a quad bike with his mum and dad and his um little boy <laughs> all packed on to come cheer me on which was yeah it was just an amazing just an amazing day really it was it was a struggle I mean you know like we said earlier you're choosing how to suffer mm-hmm. choosing your own to suffer but when you're injured and you're just so exhausted and you just want to fall on the floor it's just yeah that motivation to keep on pushing is 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 a difficult one <laughs> absolutely it's really just one foot in front of the other at that point um, and I think also one of the best things about that day is running that section with you as well because mm-hmm. that was your longest run after injury wasn't it yeah yeah it was um, that was I mean selfishly that was really special for me too I wasn't sure I wasn't sure if I was gonna be able to do it and I remember really going back and forth um, because for folks who didn't know I was coming back from a pretty serious stress fracture in my pelvis and so I had taken probably six or seven months off and was very slowly rebuilding and this was going to be I think it was 10 miles was going to be the longest I'd run um, at any given time and I remember really be back and forth of like I really want to do this but is it selfish because like if I can't then I'm gonna like worry Izzy and like all of these things Um, and then it was actually Nick who told me like I think she'd really love to have you there and worst case scenario you have to walk but like she'll probably be walking too and I was like yeah. okay that's fair <laughs> enough walking happening. <laughs> yeah I was like okay I can do that um and so yeah I, I did it with you and it was it was really special we ran into that cow that really like vicious cow I remember oh um, Jesus and the, yeah the amazing Andy just threw himself <laughs> yes. in front of me to protect me from from a cow that was charging towards us. yes shout out to Andy Mason yeah for sure completely <laughs> truly selfless there that definitely wasn't planned in the logistics like having having to prep the crew on on what to do when a cow confronts you (laughs) (laughs) it's very English countryside though we should have known Um, 
Oh, yeah, such a wonderful memory. So what would you say is the high and the low or the rose and the thorn rather of um, of that experience? I think the I think the high was just there were just so many highs in that day and just the days to to follow after that as well. I can remember we traveled back from Newcastle to London the day after and um, I can remember being in my bed and just trying to answer everyone's messages and there were just that I have received thousands of messages on Strava and Instagram on email I mean people saying that their um you know their brothers and sisters are watching the Instagram stories and their mum has been inspired to run and it was just so impactful and when I was in it I was just just yeah selflessly just just you know doing my little run across the country and and the impact that it that it kind of had on so many people was just yeah was an amazing feeling I can remember I was walking through Shoreditch and a girl actually walked up to me and she was like oh you're the girl that ran across the country and I was like this is this is mad that's wild it had that impact on everyone um the the negative to it I mean it it was so hard (laughs) like I'm not gonna sugarcoat it of being like a day that I was just happily running in the mountains it was well hills of northern England (laughs) but um but yeah I think there was one point and um that was just coming into Newcastle and I think I had something like seven miles or so left and um Martin my boyfriend was was the only pacer for that section and I think at the time I didn't really you know understand fully what I was asking of him I, I just kind of thought he was going to run, you know, the last seven miles of it with me and it will all be fine. But I was actually asking him to, like, see me in so much pain and just being so exhausted and just wanting to fall on the floor and collapse. And he, his job was to, to tell me to keep on going and to keep pushing me forward. Yep. So I think... And also I, um, I heard later that my mum was a bit tearful at times just seeing how much pain that I was in. And so... I think that was probably the the thorn in in this whole scenario is that obviously with great things you have you have the negative side as well but um but it all paid off and I finished it and I'm super yeah I think it will always be one of my proudest moments finishing that (laughs) absolutely and I I I remember too those last four miles when all of us ran with you um silence (laughs) well except for the the playlist that um, your buddy had thrown together which was yeah, which was exactly epic <laughs> yeah I I mean it gives me goosebumps just thinking about it you were not only you were moving really fast for the in the first place but um it was just done by that point to be you're just so ready it was it was it was super exciting um so I guess more about into like the nuts and bolts how do you generally train for something like this like do you generally train with a coach do you figure it out on your own um how do you how do you go about it so I think to trip for the um for the trip I did in Asia before that I was just muddling through I mean I was just reading stuff on the internet um I kind of had some advice from a little bit some uh, advice from nutritionists um but I can remember going to see a doctor and I told him what I wanted to do. And he said, you're too young to run those distances. Your heart is going to explode. Wow. So it was just 
I didn't really feel like there was a lot of of help and guidance online for yeah like early 20 year old (laughs) runners to be doing that kind of distance but um but yeah I just I kind of muddled through and that's what um what helped me train for those um for Bali Marathon, Mount Bromo Marathon and the Annapurna 100 but when I came back from Annapurna I was just like I, I need to get a coach I need to know kind of what I'm doing have some structure so I was being coached by Run Namaste Eat, mm-hmm. which is the um, amazing, incredible power duo from the two most beautiful humans of Tom Payne and Rachel. Um, Tom's a an amazing GB ultra runner, and um, Rach is also an incredible ultra runner as well. And she's also a yogi, and she's really into nutrition and kind of a bit more like healthy, balanced lifestyle, which I just... I love and they kind of they don't they see kind of past the running but also like they look at what else you're doing in, in your lifestyle and you know can you finish your run and maybe put your legs up against a wall and do a little like 10 minute meditation so it was um yeah they really helped keep me a lot more balanced um I haven't been training with them recently because I've been I've been injured but um yeah it's just um I think it's good to have a coach but also in terms of training I think with this since being injured I'm going to make sure that I I'm cross training and also giving plenty of time for recovery because yeah before I was just running and running and running and thinking that's what built a really strong runner but um I think it's everything else you do apart from running which also has a place to play because um yeah you don't have to put something on Strava for it to be part of part of your goal I think Mm -hmm. It's yeah, that's a really good point. <laughs> I um I also currently train with the wonderful Run Namaste Eat duo, and I think actually it was I think it was re- it was might have been a conversation I had with both Rach and Tom, and they were saying that even if you look at the elite ultra runners out there at the moment, like it really does ju- like they're skill really comes from a variety of different ways of training so there are like a lot of the old school like yeah you have to do like 100 to 2 mile 100 miles a week to um, place well at western states but then there are also runners who don't break 60 to 70 miles a week and do a shit ton of rock climbing and power hiking and what have you Um, but it's all based on kind of your body and what makes training fun for you because that usually is what results in a in a positive racing experience yeah completely and just also having a a strong body from other sports actually transpires to amazing running as well Mm -hmm. um just to have that full bodily like strength (laughs) I think is is really really important that's what Manny's been teaching me a lot my physio that and you as well (laughs) it's just so important to have that strength because that's gonna this our inner strength and like you know muscle strength is what's pushing us forwards with every step when we run so it's it's so important to make sure that that's strong totally um and actually while we're on the topic of training and strength um I'd like to talk a little bit about nutrition as well um because I think that's sort of another key building block to to building a strong runner um so for you how how important is nutrition and how has 
its importance to you evolved over the course of your running journey? Uh, I think nutrition isn't just about uh, for like good training and good running and good racing. I think it's so important for yeah for everything that you put into your into your mouth. Um, my relationship to food hasn't always been a healthy one. At school, I got really trapped into wanting to look slim. I, you know, I um, I used to ration myself chocolate buttons, and I counted all the calories that yeah that I ever ate. So um, it was just a really toxic relationship. And it wasn't until recently, when I actually got injured, that I've started to have these kind of um, realizations that for the majority of my life, I've always kind of been worried about food and scared about food. So now I've um I've kind of reevaluated how I how I have this relationship and knowing that you can have treats on you know days where you haven't done any exercise and you can eat really good wholesome food and not worried about putting on weight and and more treating it as like this is fuel to make me stronger and and reach help me reach me reach towards my goals rather than oh, this is food, this is gonna, this is gonna be detrimental to that. So, um, yeah, I think particularly for girls, we always grow up seeing pictures of like Kendall Jenner and, you know, all these pop stars and supermodels looking so slim. And that's our only version of, of what beautiful is. But for me now, I think I'm more leaning towards the side of just like, Feel it, feeding myself with really good, nutritious, wholesome food. I'm feeling really strong and healthy, and that you know that trumps being the skinny, like weak, um, yeah, young girl that I used to be. Absolutely, I I can really relate to that. Uh, thank you so much for sharing about that experience because I think it is it is such a prominent issue amongst women um I I mean one could argue it's getting a little bit better but I think especially if we're focusing on the athletic world and on the running world there is this pressure to feel like smaller is faster thinner is faster and that in order to eat a big meal you have to do a big run and at the end of the day like that's just not how whether you like it or not that's just not how bodies function um you eat so that you can run rather than run so you can eat yeah you need the you need the gas tank to be full in order to in order to function properly yeah um, completely I mean when I when I first I can remember um hearing from from my osteo that um Rebecca when she told me that I had to take two weeks off running when I first got injured I sat outside her room and I literally cried for like two three hours and it was mainly just because I just I was so worried then about how I was going to eat how I was going to like what was I going to do I had nothing left of me and that was a huge wake-up call because I spent then some weeks to follow that just really struggling to eat because I didn't think that I deserved it I would didn't touch chocolate didn't touch you know my favorite foods like donuts and stuff but um and it was a real hard battle to like to know that I was able to have a donut on a Monday when I hadn't done any sport 
rather than you know after a long run on a Sunday and once you kind of push past that barrier you realize that when you have a good relationship to food and what you're eating and just making sure that you know it's balanced you can have loads of chocolate and you know easter eggs or whatever but you can also you know have lots of really colorful nutritious food too and actually the first time we ever met we we were talking about this weren't we mm-hmm. when we were on that run in random and um Absolutely. i know what brought it up but we were just talking about it and yeah that was the first time i realized that other people kind of like have been in my shoes and know what that feels like yeah i i completely remember that conversation and coming away from it being like wow i just met this girl and we're already sharing you know sharing about our experience with with food and running and nutrition and i mean i think and mental health i mean i think that those are all it's really important to have those conversations because it's so easy to feel like you're stuck in your head and and your thoughts are crazy, but actually other people have those thoughts and other people manage to learn how to handle those thoughts and work through them. And even just having someone who's a little bit further along in the quote recovery process can be helpful because you're like, okay, like I can get there too. Um, yeah, no, definitely. And I, I feel like we should be sharing sharing more towards this kind of topic as well because I know that there'll be so many other girls like you'll get guys too but you'll get a lot of girls who are always you know counting the calories and and wanting to exercise to burn that off but it's um yeah it's just it's everything about balance yeah it balance balance is really the key and I think there is such a I personally think that there's a relationship as well between how you're feeling even if you don't have any kind of disordered eating patterns I think for most people your mental state determines how you feel about eating and what you eat and vice versa um do you have you found this to be true at all for yourself like I guess where your head's at indicating where your tummy's at if that makes sense (laughs) oh yeah definitely I mean yeah 100% when actually um Another part of my Nepal um, race story is that a week before I started that race, I was actually in a very rural Nepalese hospital and um, I'd just gone really, really bad food poisoning. And I think it was also partly to do with the fact that I was, you know, backpacking across Asia on my own, probably overdoing it a little bit too much which, yeah, ended up in me being hospitalised. And um, no one spoke English there. Everyone was just Nepalese. And there was blood all over the beds. There was rats in the toilets. I mean, they just injected me with God knows what. And um, I was on three drips and then still persisted in in doing the Nepalese race a week later. But um, since then, I've been been suffering really badly from... um, a very unhappy tummy in terms of it must have been a parasite that I picked up or something but um yeah for two and a half years now I've just spent my time just with an enormous belly I can't digest most foods um I can't like I'll be running and my stomach is just in so much pain that I have to lie on the floor um I'm really susceptible to infections as well. So I've been battling with eye infections and sinus infections, cut my finger and that turns into an infection. And I've tried everything. I've seen the top, you know, gastro 
specialists and had cameras, you know, down my throat and everything and nothing was really found. And I'm now seeing a new nutritionist and um, yeah, she's incredible and she's actually linking stress and my mental health with my stomach and my infections. And it's amazing that I've only been with her for the last two weeks now and already my stomach is so much better. I feel healthier and stronger eat foods that I have been able to eat for the last two years so yeah wow, I think just sorting amazing. out your yeah no it's 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 been a really long struggle and even though I've still been doing some races and stuff it's just having that added challenge of of having a body that was kind of destroying itself and was really really unhappy it was just mm-hmm. so difficult so now to kind of like be sorting out my more like controlling head and and even just simple things like spending some time in the morning just to sit by a candle and meditate or I love having a really long bath so having like hot baths or writing in a journal or just doing things as like self-care practice Mm -hmm. I think has helped me tremendously in in getting my body back on track which I know you're a huge advocate for as well. A hundred percent, yes. Um, it's something that I've been working on myself is also just figuring out how to get comfortable with sit- sitting with yourself and sitting with your thoughts and whether that be journaling or meditating, um, as you mentioned. In doing things to manage stress and anxiety that aren't just movement, because move movement's so important, obviously, but... It, for f- people like us sometimes we can get carried away and so having other outlets I think is is super crucial yes. um, and to kind of tie all of this together do you see a kind of three-way relationship between nutrition running and mental health do you think they're more separate how do you kind of look at that those relationships and that framework no, I think it's, I think you've, you've hit it bang on there. You, you have got these big three pillars. And I think when one of the pillars isn't, isn't there, is, it has fallen down, it's definitely going to be detrimental to, to not just your running and your racing, but also like who you are as a person too. Mm-hmm. I think it's so important to be conscious about having balance with food, but also just really good, strong, like, nutritious food as well I think that's so important in in um yeah just for bringing balance to your whole body but then also like the, the, the mental side so having time time out from running and out from friends and just doing things for you and and it can be you know doodling it could be coloring in it could be doing something with your hands it could be like just listening to music just having a step away from from screens from from people and just like checking in with yourself mm-hmm. and yeah and and but then also having that balance of of running working well and finding other other means of sport too um so like strength yoga swimming swimming's brilliant because you can just switch off and just go up and down in a pool mm-hmm. <laughs> which i think is really good and yeah, I think all of those those three are really important. Absolutely. The three pillars. I, I love that. That sums it up really well. Um, so one of the one of the final things that I want to chat to you about, because I know that it's 
something that you're really passionate about and something that's really important to you is the role of women and females generally in sport um, and, and really advocating for, for their representation and their participation um, in athletics. Uh, can you tell me about why and how this has become so important to you? So um, I think it's all just started from just hearing hearing the news that um, the young girl participation in sport is just is so low and it's rapidly decreasing. And then I found a statistic which was less than 10% of all sports watched on TV or read in newspapers includes women, which I think is even, even um, less than that now. I think it's around 6%. And... This is not hard to believe that when when you're when you're a young young boy, let's say, you know, you get exposed to so many amazing um, like male participate like participants in sport. Like you'll go to the pub and people are watching rugby. Um, you'll be taken to a football game with your dad. Like there's um, you've got Roger Federer who's on a big advertising for um, Gillette razors. And then if you look for young girls, all you have is supermodels and these slim women, which are getting, you know, they're on billboards, they're on your TV, and they're never doing sport. They're always, you know, um, they've got nice hair, they've got nice nails, they're all done up with makeup, and that's all that they're getting exposed to. I mean, the first thing that you see when you open Instagram is a whole bunch of um, Instagram influencers who have got you know, very big bums, very slim waists and, are, yeah, are, look really, really beautiful. I think that's really sad that that's the way that our society is going and that we're just not portraying really strong, amazing, like, female figures who who do and love sport. And, um, yeah, that's something that I'm trying to work towards in order to try and, like, expose young girls to all the amazing things that women are doing and and have done and in in a hope to try and encourage them to kind of step outside their comfort zone and to leave their instagram and leave their snapchat and kind of just just go outside and and try something new yeah a hundred percent and i that is such a important point that because the media is so influential no matter even if you know you try to step away from screens they're going to be in your face when you go out when even when you go for a walk in some places or a run um and that the majority of what women see are very or the message of what women see is very different than the message that most men see um and that that is it's so problematic and even though women have come so far in the world of athletics, it sounds like you and I both agree that um, there's still a way to go. And I guess I'm curious, uh, what are a few primary goals that you have for female involvement in sports and women's athletics generally? How I would see it um, coming forward or? or Yeah, like moving forward, like in a, like in a perfect world, uh, what are some things that you'd like to see? I would definitely love to see more more um, female sports being shown um, in the media and being reported on in newspapers and in magazines. Um, I think it'd be really cool to get um, female athletes into fashion magazines or just, you know, the different body shapes being being shown in fashion magazines as well and on on billboards. And I know that we're um, we're starting to see a lot of that already. But there's a big difference between a 
um, a normal model, a plus size model and like an athletic body model. Um, like I find it myself, like I can't find a pair of jeans because I've got like runner's thighs, but still quite a slim waist. Yeah. You're preaching so to the choir. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just about realizing that there is a, there is a middle point between like all of these different stereotypes that are coming out. There's you've got the athletic figure as well, and the athletic figure is 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 a strong female body, and that should be shown in in magazines and be a, a you know a size and in jeans and and clothing. But I feel like it's coming. I feel like it's definitely getting there. But I mean, if I if I went to a primary school and asked girls like, oh, who do you inspire to be? I probably will be quite shocked with the amount of models and um, music artists that they'll that they'll reel off and not many sports athletes. So I think just trying to cross that bridge between letting young girls see the there are some incredible women out there doing absolutely unbelievable things. Absolutely. And I think the awareness is so important and also um, women empowering women. And I think, as you mentioned, it's, it's great that we're moving in that direction, but there's still, there's still quite a bit of work to be done. And it's really, it's exciting to hear that, you know, about some of that you're so passionate about it. And I know, a handful of our other friends and cohort are as well. So um, we're mo- we're mo- we're getting there. We're moving in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, it's just super positive. Um, so one last final question that we ask all of our guests um, in this series is: What's one piece of advice that you'd give to your twenty-year-old self? Oh, so many, so many pieces of advice. Um, don't be afraid to go against the grain mm. I think is probably one of the biggest biggest pieces of advice I, I remember so many nights at university where I was just locked in my room just feeling so isolated from from what was outside that door and how I just wasn't fitting in um people always you know getting really really drunk taking loads of drugs why why do I not want to drink loads why do I not want to take drugs like I'm just such an outcast in all of this but um actually quite recently I've had people from university message me to say that like you know Izzy I'm so inspired by her running like what running shoes shall I get or Mm. you know um well done on that amazing run you did and it's kind of come full circle as to like yeah I went against that grain but in doing so it's actually worked out okay and it's worked out for the better and I'm now inspiring those people who are all going you know going with the sheep (laughs) as such so um and I think this is important for all all younger girls is just yeah you can be a tomboy you can you know you can love sport you can hate sport you can love video games you can you know lock yourself inside you can be a mountain guy you can you can kind of do anything that you want but just be true to yourself with it Mm -hmm. I think is important I love that thank you (laughs) and thank you so much for chatting with me today in general I loved hearing about your running story your epic adventures your brilliant insight insights on nutrition mental health um, and your excitement about the role the 
blossoming role of women and girls in sport. Um, and as always, speaking to you has been a wonderfully inspirational experience. Um, and I'm so <laughs> grateful that you joined me today. No, I'm, I'm really, really thankful for joining. <laughs> wonderful. Lovely speaking to you. So wonderful speaking to you and already looking forward to the next time. <laughs> Lots of love. Thank you to Izzy for joining us as a guest today. You can check her out on Instagram at Izzy Milburn and read more about her super inspiring FKT experience on the Avasi blog at avasi.com forward slash blogs forward slash news. If you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, comment, and share the podcast amongst your friends and social network. Thanks again for tuning in and we look forward to sharing the next episode with you.